Next Chapter Podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 500. Keeping it fleecy. For the fleece nation. Sometimes I wonder why I spend the lonely nights dreaming of a song. That is Stardust by Willie Nelson from his 1978 record of the same name. It's also number 260 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. I always get weird when I have to say the title of the show because my name's in it. I literally just said 500 and I'm saying it again. I'm saying it again. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to the only podcast run by a comedian as he goes through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums from 500 down to one. And uh, I'm a comic. I don't know a lot about music. That's why I'm doing the podcast, trying to figure out what is great and what is skadoodle. Oh, man. What is going on with me right now? Well, I am uh, in New York City. Uh, I'm getting ready for the Jelly Roll Tour July 28th through October 15th, hitting arenas with... I mean, he is blowing up right now. The one and only Jelly Roll is blowing the fuck up. If you haven't listened to his new record, go out and get it. He just sent me a box today with the album and a hat and a whole bunch of stuff. Check out Jelly Roll Witsit Chapel. It is an incredible record, and I'm super excited to go on tour with them. 44 arenas around the country all summer long. Uh, you can also see me in Jacksonville the end of this month. I will be... Opening for Burr on the 23rd and the 24th in Connecticut and New Jersey. I will be in Pittsburgh in July. I will be in Toronto in July. I will be doing the goddamn Comedy Jam's ninth anniversary at the Comedy Store in July. Uh, I'm super excited, man. Uh, Life is good right now, and it's all because a lot of you guys. I think I'm going to finish this thing. I think I'm going to finish it. I love it, man. Big ups to Jeremiah. Big ups to Al Franken for telling me to keep doing it. I don't know if we left that in the episode, but it should be in there. Uh, but yeah, life's good. So uh, joshadammyers.com for tickets and follow me on social media at joshadammyers. And subscribe to the Patreon. $5 a month gets you so much. Merch and you support this podcast. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. We need your money because we don't have money out sales. So hook us up. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube and uh, be a part of the Fleece Army. I got to put that thing down. I've been playing with it all recordings. All right. Willie Nelson. Legend. Icon. 
this record. Ooh, this is a good one. Would I listen to this for the first record that I listened to Willie Nelson? Probably not. But it is an icon playing iconic songs. And for that, we get the icon's granddaughter. The one and only Raylan Nelson. She's a singer-songwriter from the Raylan Nelson Band. She's currently on tour. You can find her at RaylanNelsonBand.com for dates and tickets. Her new single, Free, is out now. And honest to God, she's one of the most lovely guests I've ever had on the show. And as a human being, I mean, she rules. This was a fun one. Uh, Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500. Listen free on all platforms or anywhere you get your pods. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, we got a website, the500podcast.com. Well, Willie Nelson, Stardust at 260 and go. This works perfectly uh, because you, I mean, you know, I think you kind of know Willie Nelson a little bit. Yeah, the, it's the coolest thing about me is that he's my grandpa. No, that is not the coolest thing about you. The coolest it thing is. about you is is you're great at yoga, you're incredibly cute, and you're one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my whole life. Aw, thanks. You're and welcome. the funny you mentioned yoga, I just I started a yoga studio called Stardust here. Did in you town. really? Uh-huh. Tell us about it. Where is it? I, Give me all the details. It's in Goodlitzville. It's like 20 minutes north of Nashville. And I named it Stardust after my grandpa's album. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) everybody breathe in through your nose, close your mouth, get your, oh fuck, what's it called? Your Ujjayi breath. Oh yeah, good job. I do yoga. You think I don't do yoga? I do yoga three times a week. I was listening to your pod and uh, you said something about your Ujjayi breath. I was like, okay, okay. He's, he knows something. No, I started, I did yoga before the pandemic. Um, I really got into it, but I was living in LA and that's like the thing. Um, but also like the benefits uh, are just, you know, so much, there's so many benefits. And so I, then the pandemic hit. I stopped. And then whenever they started open back up, they didn't really do hot yoga anymore. Like they just kind of like, you could do yoga, but hot yoga was like, no, and not in LA at least. And then I just start, you know, I'm very active. I do like functional fitness and like Olympic weightlifting and stuff. Cause I'm a former addict and I just want to feel something. So I just work out a lot. And, yeah. and, but then I started feeling my body, like really, you know, 43 men. And like, I beat the shit up. So it really was bothering me. And I found a, there's a yoga studio in LA called Moto and they have one here in New York. And I've just been going like, usually I'll do like, I'll do like, uh, like Saturday, Sundays yoga, and then like Wednesday yoga. And then the rest of the week I do other shit. I try to get four classes in a week. Usually it works out to about three, you know, Yeah. five for four. Uh, yeah, I think there's like a hundred thousand yoga studios in America and they're mostly privately owned. There's only a few that are little franchises, mostly are independent, just Someone like me who over the pandemic, I learned, uh, I got my certification because there was nothing to do, you know, so I'll just learn more about it just for my own practice. And then I was just like, well, why not just start one? Because I can't find one that I really like going to anymore. So I'll just start one that I like going to. And so the name, is this like one of your favorite records from your, your granddad or like what, like, how did it, 
or is it just the coolest sound? It is same. Like in the, uh, it is one of my grandpa's favorite or one of my favorite albums my grandpa did. But the whole idea behind it, which I, I'm sure we'll probably get into, is that he chose other people's songs that he loved, and it wasn't his stuff, you know. So he was spotlighting other songs that he grew up loving, and. Uh, that was my idea of just everybody kind of being involved. I didn't want it to be me as your yoga teacher. In fact, I don't even teach much. I just take there, you know, um, I wanted everybody to feel like it was theirs. And then the whole idea that we're all made from stardust, which is something my grandpa's always said, you know, so, uh, yeah, just that. And I wanted to help spread his legacy to everyone I can. I end um, most of my Savasana's songs are his song, um, Energy Follows Thought. I don't know if you've heard that one. It was on Beautiful mm. Time record. It wasn't the last one you put out because you did a, um, I almost said Harlan Williams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a Harlan Williams album. Like, oh, shoot. Hank Williams. No, I can't remember his name. Um, he's a great songwriter, though. I'll look it up right now. But a beautiful time won a Grammy this last Grammys. Uh, his so he's still winning Grammys, you know. And that that album kind of reminds me of Stardust, just because it's a little bit churchy, not churchy yeah. like this churchy like uh, spiritual. Um, what do you call it? Evol evolved, so spiritually evolved and enlightened, or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um. You know, it's so funny that I'm doing this podcast after the one I just did. I literally just taped David Bowie, uh, his album Low, right before this with Margaret Cho, because I'm going on tour with, actually, you probably know Jelly Roll, right? Yeah, you know, I do. Yeah, he's, yeah, I'm going, he's the best. And I'm going on, I'm opening uh, his arena tour, me and my band, uh, doing comedy and music. And yeah, so I'm oh, like... Oh, it's gonna rule, dude. Yeah, that's my dream. Rule. Wait, so or wait, okay. So when you say you're doing comedy and music, because you know I do comedy and music, but what is your style of doing comedy and music? Are you are you doing some bits in between the songs, or are you gonna do comedy? So I I do I do like a mixture of music and comedy. Like I'll I don't know how to explain what I do. I'm just a musical person, and so when I have with or without a band, I sing. And yeah. if I have a band, I'm basically going to be doing what I do with the goddamn comedy jam, which is just like start a song, sing it, but then do jokes in between and pull people out of the audience and get them to sing with me and like kind of do like musical crowd work. And, and really, pardon? You're going to do that with the band? With my band, yeah, with the band that plays in the goddamn comedy jam, and it's oh, kind right. of what I what I, it's what I do at the jam. It's what I do here in New York at the Comedy Cellar, and. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's just like, I, I've wanted to do this for years, you know, especially like I'm already doing it with the jam, but I wanted to do it like in this kind of situation. And Jelly saw me in Vegas at Skankfest and he was just blown away. And so he offered me the tour then. And I was like, all right, yeah, sure, dude. And he, we talked money and I was like, okay. Cause he had been drinking and I was like, yeah. sure, dude, 44 arenas. All right. You know, and then six months later, he called me and he was like, so you still in? And I'm like, you're fucking serious, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, all right, let's do it. And we, and it's like, the deal's great. And he's taking care of us. And so basically what I'm doing is I'm like the ringmaster of the whole tour. Like I'll go out at the beginning. I'll kind of do my thing, do comedy and music. Then I'll bring up the first act. Then I'll come back up, kind of keep the energy up, do some stand up bring the next comic up. And then on the third act, before I bring jelly up, I'll do a little bit of stand up, but then I'll do a song 
and really yeah. like it's almost like a form of bar mitzvah DJing. You know, it's ever it's, do a full song. Do I ever do a full song? Most of yeah. the time, I, I most of the time I don't I don't learn the lyrics, Raylan. I don't like I I don't I know all I learn is the chorus. That's all you need to sing is true. Like I do I like I do the joke on stage. I was like like if I'm doing like living on a prayer, all you need to know is like whoa we're halfway there. Whoa, everything else I could just make up. So I could be like, Tina has fibromyalgia. <laughs> Frank's got diabetes. He's losing his foot. It's tough. And the crowd does not give a fuck. Yeah. And that's basically what I'm doing. And and so. Now, do you jelly- write your songs, though, to play? Like full songs? First chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, no, out? No, 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 no. I don't really do, like, musical comedy in that sense. Like, I don't, like, like this is a song about this. We've written some songs. I just incorporate music into my act. So it doesn't, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, I hear songs all the time. Like if I'm, if I'm talking to somebody and they say something in a certain way, I hear the cadence of a song and then I sing it back to them. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just what comes out of my head and with or without a band, like if I'm on stage, I'm going to sing because yeah. somebody, because somebody told me early on in my career, they were like, whatever you are, just lean into it. And if you're, you know, so if you're a sports guy, like do talk about sports, talk about, you know, if you start a sports podcast or if you're, this girl was like, she's like, I'm a Southern belle. So I lean into all that stuff. I'm from the South. So I talk about that. And I just, music is such a big part of me. I mean, that's why I'm doing this podcast. It's like everything I've done in my career has been leading me to this. So when, when we announced that Jelly Roll tour, um, like I couldn't, I can't tell you how many comedians reached out and they were like, oh dude, this is perfect for you. And in my hope is that not hope I'm, I'm positive it's going to happen we're going to go back to all of those markets and i'm going to play like a rock club i'm going to bring a comedian opener and then me and my band will do my hour which is like which is a mixture of stand-up music and storytelling and it's just you know i think that's we it just takes time to figure it out and, and who would have thought that jelly roll was going to be the guy to you know really kick it off to this level to give me the most yeah. exposure it's beautiful and Jelly Roll is cool. I did a couple stuff with him at Zany's. We uh, covered a creep song, to, that creep song together that he had put out. I did the lady part. Yeah. That one, and uh, that was, and he was just so nice and so cool. Success couldn't happen to a nicer person. And he changed up his whole sound. I think he yeah. was just like a rapper. And then he started writing some country ballads and it, and then he blew up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is similar. I can bring this back to Stardust because my grandpa who put Stardust out, he kind of did something similar where he was trying to do what the machine told him to do. And then he went out to Texas, started doing what he wanted to do. Yeah. And that's when his success came. Look at this. Well, back. I, I love it. And this is what I was about to say to bring it back to the original thing of why I brought up Jelly Roll is we're taping these episodes in advance. And so I just did David Bowie with Margaret Cho and being able to do Willie right after that, because we were trying to talk about somebody like these iconic artists. And I was like, well, David Bowie is like the top of one of the tops of the list where you can't deny that he was at the forefront of music and fashion and image and he pushed the limits. But I mean, different genre, but Willie has literally been an iconic figure that even if you don't know his music, you know who he is. Like, I, I don't even remember when I first heard him. I mean, maybe I probably saw him on like the Muppets or some shit, but he transcends genres. And I mean, there's whether you like 
rock and roll, heavy metal, or rap, everybody knows who Willie Nelson is. It's like, yeah. I don't know if there's many more figures that are this iconic as him. Yeah, one of my favorite things is Snoop Dogg. Their, the, his friendship with Snoop Dogg has been one of my favorite things to watch over the past 10 years or so. Really? He's, yeah, it's just so weird that they would be buds, you know? Well, they both smoke a massive amount of weed. Yes, right? and they did put a song out together called Superman, which was a great tune, actually. It was a pretty good really? Yeah, um, I'll send it to you when we're done. Please. But um, Stardust... Because he his record label didn't want him to do it. Yeah, he had put out all these um, outlaw song. You know, he got big in the outlaw country kind of thing. He had just done, I think it was Papa Willie and Waylon's tunes together, and then he wanted to do this, like I like I said, like pop songs that he loved. Jazz. There were some jazzy ones in there that he loved growing up, and he wanted to put this album out and he talked to his record labels when he came through Nashville. I think he was living in California in Malibu at the time. And he came through Nashville and the execs were like, no, you got to stick with what you're doing. Just keep writing the songs like you're writing them. That's how you're huge. So Papa Willie was like, fuck that. You know, Papa Willie does what he wants to do. Can we say fuck on here? You say whatever fuck you want. Cheers. <laughs> but he's always just done what he wanted and and uh he, so he left he just went to california i think he met um uh who was it was it, uh, it booker t booker, jones booker t. yeah he just like saw him out and about in the neighborhood and told him his idea and he said i think it's a great idea and so they started trying to figure out the arrangement for these tunes with papa willie on his guitar and i think one of the things he said he was like you know all the young people who like me right now they haven't heard these songs before so it's gonna seem new to them and all the old people who aren't my fans they'll remember this and they'll like it so it was it was actually kind of brilliant you know and he just did it and i think did you read about how they did it they did it in a little like truck trailer so yeah, so they so there was a trailer parked at the home of Brian Ahern in the Hollywood Hills. The console was set up in the truck, uh, the trailer, excuse me, and then they recorded the music in the house. So they basically had to like set the wires from the uh, the house acted as a recording studio, and they recorded in the trailer. And they did this, if I'm not mistaken, in like ten days, right? It was yep. December third to the twelfth. So yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Yeah, I mean, this is this is as high. This is we have this little. It's met with high sales and near universal positive reviews. Peaked at number one on the Billboard Top Country album and number thirty on the Billboard two hundred. 
it charted at number one in Canada and number 28 in RPM's top albums. Uh, Stardust was on Billboard's country album charts for 10 years. From its release until 1988, the album reached number one in New Zealand and number five in Australia. In 1984, it was certified triple platinum. Uh, earning, is this how many sales or how much money it earned, Adam? At the time, 2.1 million at that point. Damn. Right. That's pretty damn good. What, yeah, um, the most go successful, I'm sorry, the most successful uh, concert, like he was the top, that's what I like, the top selling concert at the person at the time, which would be like maybe to like Taylor Swift now. And if you just, it's so weird for me to think about my grandpa being the Taylor Swift of that time, you know, like this, the biggest concert seller of the time of 19. Did he ever, did he ever tell you like how he blew up? Like, I, I just, I just suddenly know him as like i said as a music icon like like how hard was it for him to become the willie nelson that that made warren is putting his face on every other shirt and and him you know dude they he just turned 90 and they had the big concert at the hollywood bowl and i mean it's you have keith richards there and fucking this everybody was there to honor him it's like 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 how hard was his struggle to get to this place I mean, he tried for 20 years before he made it. He was 43, I think, and 75 was when he made it big with, I think, On the Road Again was probably the, that's big when song. On the Road Again came, or maybe not, no, 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 maybe not. Doesn't matter, Seven, but 1970, and he had to cut some uh, of his songs, like Patsy Klein had done Crazy. She made Crazy huge, but he wrote that song. So he'd been writing songs for people, but he says, it was when he just decided to really be himself and stop trying to do what Nashville was telling him to do, which was wear a suit, cut, you know, be clean shaven, not even play the guitar, just sit there on the stool with the microphone and sing like everybody else was doing. Yeah. He wanted to do what, what came naturally to him, which was he was a country boy. He grew up in Abbott, Texas. He was picking cotton. He uh, started playing guitar because his grandparents taught him and my aunt bobby his sister to aunt bobby played piano and he played guitar and he made 12 dollars on his first gig and he, which was way more than picking cotton he said he would make like 37 cents a day picking cotton and he, wow. his hands would be completely destroyed and then he would just go and play a an hour or two gig and he made 12 dollars and he was like this is what i'm doing <laughs> And then he just kept doing it and did it every chance he could. Uh, but it took him 20 years. And Nashville is not fun for a songwriter. They definitely want, like right now, they want Jelly Roll. It's, yeah, you know, they want what's working, which makes sense why his record executives were like, don't do that. Go with what's working. They just, they're only thinking about money. Of course. They're not thinking about art. We know this. It's tale as old as time, you know, power, yeah. money, greed. But uh, I think him saying, I don't want to cut my hair anymore. He, you know, my grandpa's always uh, related to the Indian, the Native American side of his ancestry. Mm. And so he wanted to be more, just more himself. And Aunt Bobby went with him. And I think he started playing bass for Ray Price was the first professional band he was in. It's almost like, you know, the guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's, so he, like she said, born in Abbott, Texas in 33, raised by his grandparents during the Great Depression. Uh, his mother left soon after he was born and his father remarried and also moved away. 
He achieved success in the 60s as a crooner, a la Bobby Darren, but turned towards country in the 60s. He was one of the main figures of outlaw country, which, in my opinion, is the greatest era of country music. The Merle Haggards, the the Hank William Juniors, the, I mean, it's, it's Waylon. Yeah, it's like. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd put Loretta Lynn in Outlaw, but at least the 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 the, the lyrics of the old school country is as real as anything punk, anything NWA. It's they're talking about their hardships in different parts of the country, and and to see, and I'm probably gonna get in trouble if if uh, when I'm on the road with Jelly Roll, because not Jelly Roll, Jelly Roll singing about real shit, but I'm yes. talking about like, but Fighting I'm talking. Yeah, he's writing his songs. He's talking about the shit he's been through, and he's been through a lot. But country is, you know, people always say that, that thing would be, what, what do you listen to? And everybody's like, oh, I listen to everything but country. And I'm just like, I used to say that. And now it's like, no, I listen to everything but a lot of the new country. Like, new yeah. country has just taken such a turn into pop music that it lost all of what made country special. And mm-hmm. now, like you said, it's very cookie cutter. I remember... Like me and my ex-girlfriend used to, cause she used to listen to Alan Jackson and I fucking love like Chattahoochee and I love know, down, down by the river with the Chattahoochee with Mama D. I don't know the words, but as we know. <laughs> that was great. I think you nailed it. <laughs> I, I nailed, I nailed the chorus. I did that. That's the only part you need to know. Everything else you just make up. Um, but we, there was a song like country girl and it's like, it's literally like a country shake your ass song. Like, I mean, literally, it's a like, country girl, shake it for me, girl. You know. <laughs> Have you heard the one that goes, sunrise, sunburn, sunset, repeat? No, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't like, I don't like, like, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I don't like pop music. I, I love pop music. I can appreciate a song and just be like, oh, that's a great song. Yeah. But I, I just, you know, when you know where something has been and to see it turn into just the exact opposite of that, it's like even the, even down to the guys now all wear, like one dude broke it wearing a baseball cap and now every guy's wearing a baseball cap, you know, yeah. in country music. It, it's just like, I had a buddy that was, uh, that, that I met in LA that went on to start, you know, he was writing like, like almost like slow R&B songs. He started making a turn into country music. And then he he actually started getting a following and and literally just looked like every other dude doing country at that time. Um, and that's like unfortunate because I think what makes music special is being an individual and doing what you want to do. Now, listen, was, was Waylon Merle and Hank Williams Jr. and Willie all kind of in the same ballpark. Yeah, but they were individuals in the way that they did it. And they were yeah. singing about real shit. Uh, and it was just their version of it. And I don't think what's coming out now, for the most part, I mean, there's people that are probably going to correct me, but I, I don't think it was, it, it's, it has the depth of what was made before. Yeah, I agree. And also we have to kind of remember like, they had very few musical influences to go to get from, you know, I guess it was kind of like in my grandpa's sense, it was church hymns, you know, think about what they were listening to. They were listening to maybe some jazz stuff, like from the Stardust album, stuff that he remembers growing up, but they didn't have like Hank Williams. I know is his favorite. 
um, all of them, Waylon, all of them loved Hank Williams. He was the goat for them. Oh yeah. Um, so, so he developed, so he develops in the sixties as a country figure with the outlaw people subgenre that developed in the late sixties as a reaction to conservative restrictions of the Nashville sound. His album shotgun Willie and redheaded stranger and stardust made him one of the most recognized artists in country. He's acted in over 30 films, co-authored several books, and has been involved in activism for the use of biofuels and the legalization of marijuana. He also uses a variety of music styles to create his own distinctive blend of country, which includes a hybrid of jazz, pop, blues, rock, and folk. His grandfather, now you tell me if any of this is right. His grandfather bought him a guitar when he was six and taught him a few chords. He sang gospel songs, like you said, in the church as a kid, wrote his first song at age seven. He was in his first band by age 10, influenced by Hank, uh, Bob Willis, Lefty Frizzle. Did I say that right? Ray Price, Ernest Tubb, Hank Snow, Django Reinhardt, Frank Sinatra, and Louis Armstrong. During high school, he toured locally with the Bohemian Polka as their lead singer and guitar player. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, after graduating from high school in 1950, he joined the U S air force, but it was later discharged due to back problems. Uh, after was that, what do you got? Back problems. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Ow. Like authority. yeah I've yeah. done that before. I've done that before. After his return, Nelson attended Baylor university for two years, but dropped out because he was succeeding in music. He worked as a DJ at a radio station in Texas, several radio stations in Pacific Northwest all the while working as a singer and songwriter throughout the late 50s. During that time, he wrote songs that would become country standards, including Funny How Time Slips Away, Hello Walls, Pretty Paper, and Crazy. Crazy might be one of the one of the best songs ever written. Yeah. I, I, it, just a few years ago, it was still the top jukebox song. I don't know if it still is. Of course, jukeboxes are kind of going out. But uh, yes, the biggest jukebox song of all time. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, it's the Patsy Klein kills it in it, but it's like if the yeah. fact that he wrote that, I mean, good for him, dude. In 60, he moved to Nashville, later signed a publishing contract that allowed him to join Ray Price's band as a bassist. In 62, he recorded his first album. And then I wrote, due to this success, he signed in 64 with RCA Victor and joined the Grand Old Opry the following year. After mid-chart hits in the late 60s and the early 70s, he grew weary of the corporate Nashville music scene. And in 72, he moved to Austin. The ongoing music scene in Austin motivated Nelson to return to performing. In 73, after signing with Atlantic, he turned to outlaw country. Uh, that's where he did Shotgun Willie and Phases and Stages. In 75, he switched to Columbia, where he recorded the critically acclaimed Red-Headed Stranger. The same year, he recorded another outlaw country record, Wanted the Outlaws, along with Waylon, Jesse Colder, and Tom Paul Glasser. Wait. Glazer, Tom Paul Glazer. Tom Paul Glazer, okay. Uh, which became the genre's first certified platinum record. In 77, he did To Lefty with From Willie, peaked at number three, and then he made this record. So. Oh, I and mean, a cool thing is you said funny, gee, funny all time slips away, crazy. And the other one, he wrote all three of those, I think, in the same week. Like just on, coming back home from Nashville on the road, he wrote those three songs. There's a there's a thing I saw on Instagram that Dolly Parton wrote Jolene and I Will Always Love You on the same day. I believe that. When it's coming out, it's coming out. You know what yeah. I mean? Tell me what it's like being a kid, uh, you know, growing up with Willie. Like, tell me stories. I want to know everything because it's like, 
it's just like he looks like the most gentle human being you're ever gonna meet like he would have seen that cat and been like hold on for a second let me just that sweet (laughs) that sweet disfigured freak cat in the back it needs love just like every other creature he is he's the cat guy he says animals are smarter than people that's true um, like I said, he connected with his Native American ancestry. So all the, all those books, he just told us to read. He just, you know, he loves that. He always has a Western playing on the bus. If it's not the news, there's yeah. a Western playing. Um, he only eats breakfast food. Like no matter what he says, literally the only thing he eats is bacon and eggs. And maybe if somebody brings dessert from catering, he'll eat the dessert, but it is bacon and eggs every night after the show. Is it really? Um, yeah. And <laughs> like the best times I remember being on the road with him because he's always been like, just come on out whenever you want. Come on on the road. And the best times is when he would have a glass of wine and him and Aunt Bobby would drink wine and they would just tell all, tell us all kinds of stories of being on the road and growing up, you know, growing, being on the road. But if he wasn't drinking, it was often just kind of quiet, you know, when you're on, you know how it is when you're driving on the road, sometimes it's just everyone's silent and just in their own thoughts or in their own head. And it, a lot of times it's like that. And, um, but it, even if he's listening to music, which is often his own, like he would just listen to his own stuff over and over and over again, him and Aunt Bobby, they would, they would just listen to it and love it, but there would still be the TV on mute there. Mm-hmm. Like he would be watching it. Um, the first time I remember him being that I knew he was famous, I was still young enough for my dad to hold me. And there was some sort of blue. We were at a restaurant and it was all family there, maybe some of the band. And then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people came in the room and everybody got scared. And Papa Willie stood up as security surrounded him and escorted him away. And my dad had picked me up and was like holding me close. And that's the first time I realized that he was different than my other grandparents. You know, like this is odd you know and then I couldn't we couldn't go back to him I'm like why can't we go see Papa Willie and my dad would be like he's working right now we have to make sure he stays safe and so this that had to be 87 you know 86 87 yeah um so that was a peak time for him uh yeah just like everybody like anytime famous people came on the bus we always got uh nervous and just would just like walk to the back and like let them do their thing they always wanted to you know, they always wanted to smoke weed with him. Oh, that's kind of cool story. So the first time I saw weed was on my grandpa's bus and they had like a, a server's tray yeah, with weed and rolling papers. And um, I asked my mom what it was. And she told me that it was like a cigarette, but it was called marijuana. She told me all the names of it. She was like marijuana pot, weed or cannabis. So like she told me all of them. So they were going to roll it up and smoke it like a cigarette. And it wasn't legal, but it was something that your Papa Willie does. That's all yeah. she told me, you know, and so <laughs> from then on, you know, I, it was just always around. I never even thought about it when I got older in high school and people were smoking it and asking me about it and stuff. She would, and I asked my mom, you know, like, could I try it? And she goes, I don't mind if you smoke it, just don't have it in my house and don't have it in your car. Cause you could get in trouble, you know, but she was way lax about it. And it's, <clears throat> she's never done it. She, um, uh, my my dad was actually Willie Nelson Jr. So my mom's married into the family or was at the time they divorced. Uh-huh. But she didn't smoke weed. But she said uh, they got on a private plane once. Um, everybody and everybody was smoking weed on there. And that's the only time she got high because she was just in a tiny little plane and everybody was smoking it. And she said when she got off, she definitely felt high. But 
it's just totally different from my dad who uh yeah what is your dad so your dad wait your dad is willie's son right yeah he's willie nelson jr and he died in 91 he um he was it was ruled a suicide but i don't know if someone could have killed him uh it was one of those things where they kind of clean things up pretty quickly yeah it's really heavy and sad but sure. uh yeah um i have a joke about it in my stand-up set so i've i've turned it around and made it funny however yeah. it is pretty sad um i was seven it was christmas day that we found out he actually oh, wow. died um and he was willie nelson jr and he was the him and papa willie had just put out an album together it was a gospel album called peace in the valley and so he was pursuing musical stuff too just it's so hard in nashville especially as willie nelson's son he was 16 when my grandpa made it big can you imagine being 16 years old and your dad's the biggest person on the planet well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. No, I couldn't. It's especially on that level you know it, it's you 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 said something that i found very interesting because i've experienced it too is like when you get around these people that are super famous sometimes we just don't know what to do literally but literally uh, and somebody else said this is like if you ever get that way just remember they're gonna die just like you and you're like oh yeah they're just a bag of bones walking around you know yeah. what i mean it's like they're they have there's no difference but you know, that's meeting like a famous comic or a famous actor. It's like, there's something about famous musicians because they, I don't know, music just hits so differently that I remember when I finally met Beck, I'm this huge fan of Beck and I just like verbal diarrhea, like, oh my God, I love you so much. And it was just like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, uh, no, I will not take a picture with you because you're scaring me. But it's, it does, it brings something up. And I, I mean, I couldn't imagine what that's like to be the son literally named after the guy yeah and he just hated star fuckers that's the, you know the word for people who just want to be around famous people sure and and I, we all understand it right just like you just said it's like it there is something cool about everybody knowing who you are and everybody knowing who you are because of a talent or because of something you've done that's changed people's lives like you said with jelly roll and you know because art does heal right music heals comedy heals 
Um, so what do you, how do you feel when you meet, I'm sorry to take no, us off. Ahead. How do you feel when you meet actors and actresses, like famous people on TV and movies are the ones that get me the most because they're not who they really are. Yeah. Like what you fall in, their character you've fallen in love with or like about them is, isn't even them. So it's almost like, who is the, you just want to stare at them and see like, what kind of person are they really? You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've dude. Especially being out in LA, it, it definitely affects you. Uh, and with actors, you're so tied to the role that they played that, you know, sometimes you can't even see it differently. You're just like, you almost like, you know, I mean, when you did, I've never done this, but you've seen people like, you know, shout out, like, say the line or whatever it is, or just, they'll just say something famous that that character said. Um, you know, it's almost like you would go up to, <laughs> go up to William, sing, sing, sing the bridge, just sing something. And it, it's people just get, you know, cause and I think you realize this is that most people's lives are, are just basic and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a, having kids and having a job and just, you know, and just providing for your family. But they, they, but when they meet somebody that didn't do that, it could be a mixture of like of like envy and jealousy that they didn't try it or you know especially with comedians you know we have people that that treat us almost like well i'm funny with my friends so i can do what you do and you're like really you can't you know what i mean it's 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 different just like i couldn't you know you i can sing but it doesn't mean that i can write a song as good as something that willie did you know, I, I think it's just. And it it's sounds just, like you're naturally a songwriter, though. From everything I know about you and what you've said, you just haven't. You just would rather make people laugh, I think. Yeah, but I, trust me, I'm I'm living my fantasy right now. You know, I my dad asked me when I was like, I don't know, goddamn, like twelve or thirteen. He's like, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" And I said, "Well, I want to be a comedian, but I also want to be a rock star." And he was like, "Well, you can't do both," and um. And I did. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, in the joke, I say, I wish he was alive right now because he died in 2010 because I would rub it in his fucking face. <laughs> I would be like, I fucking told you, I told you, but that's, yeah. but, but I think those are the things that like, you know, look, it's just, we could bring it back to Willie. It's like, you know, he grew up in a tough life, you know, both of his parents basically left, you know, I don't know if he really, had a chip on his shoulder to make it but you know he had he was being forced in certain directions and he was like no i want to do it this way and i believe in this way and it's the same thing with with any real artist a lot of people have a lot of people that you know some people have it easier where it's like oh my god you're gonna get there and we're gonna help you and then there's some people like no we're not gonna help you and we don't believe in you and then you just have to push through that and stick to your guns and then you know when you make it it's that much sweeter but that doesn't mean i'm like angry at my dad for for doing for saying that to me it's like no i'm actually happy that he kind of you know said it's impossible because i was like no i don't think so you know and i'm gonna try everything in my powers to make sure that i can make at least get as close to possible you know yeah. and if you're the type of person when someone says you can't do that that makes you do it more than yeah. he probably did the best thing he could for you you know oh my god yeah well also and i I, I had a sister, I had a sister that was like a perfect kid and went to like medical school and like just everything she did was great. Um, and I love her to death. She's one of my, you know, my best friends. And she actually just came up here last week and we went to see Billy Joel together. Uh, and it was great, man. It was fucking great to be able to hang with her because she's got three kids. And, you know, like I said, she's a doctor, so it's hard for her to get away. Um, 
but realistically it's like you know and she'll be the first to say it she'll be like you're you're just as smart as i am and if not even even not if not smarter because you know there's an easy way to make it as a doctor and i'm going to say easy like you know it's a lot of work but there's a there's a path that you 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 study this in college well you, you do well in high school you go to college you study this you go to you take the lsat or the mcat or whatever it is you pass that you get into medical school you study your ass off for for six years or however long it takes and then you do a residency and then you're a doctor but to to be an artist there is no like even an astronaut it's like you do this do this do this do that and then you do that and then you're an astronaut but yeah. there's no there's no path to being a comedian or a real actor or or a musician it's just like it's a lot of it is it's talent drive and luck being in the right place at the right time how bad do you want it yeah yeah and, and mean, like I, you said everyone's basic like my grandpa's mornings consist of like i said coffee watching westerns in the news and then playing a show in the evening then eating breakfast food that's his day that is so big other than the show you know yeah what how often do you get to see him now <clears throat> so i haven't seen him since covid he, everybody keeps him super safe yeah. But I did get to see him last year, um, March, my Aunt Bobby passed away, who played piano with him forever. She passed away, so I got to see him at the burial, which sounds terrible. I got to see him at the funeral, but uh, that was the last time I saw him. But he's the best texter, thank goodness. When email first came out, he made sure we all had computers. I mean, in 92 or something, we all had computers and he was emailing us. <laughs> he's always been good at the the new tech stuff and um i'm <laughs> so that. lucky that i'm so he really is the best because uh you know he could be a total douche or total douche. he really is so loyal to all his friends so good to his family um I've, he, he's never told me no to anything i've ever asked him you know yeah. um, why do you why do you think he's why do you think he's so loyal why do you think he has no ego is like you know could you've you know having known him your whole life like to be the level of success that he's had and and like even if you bring it back to stardust to do something that everybody's saying no to or this isn't going to work and then having it work and still not being like i told you motherfuckers like being like no this is just it just worked out and having this very zen you know uh, yeah. demeanor like like why why do you think he's so calm and so chill so the one i've heard a story that uh this is probably in the 70s maybe early 80s there was the mer new merch people had just taken off with all of his merch and all the money for the merch. And Paul, his drummer, was also the guy who got the money and he had the gun, you know, at the time you kind of had to handle shit on your own. So he came in storming into the bus and pissed off and he was like, this happened, they took this and they took that, we got to go get them, we got to go head that way, we I think we, you know, just ready to go. And Papa Willie said, you know what, maybe he needed the money more than we do, let's just get more stuff and let him have it let's just give it to them wow and, right so i think he's had that whatever that is where it's like no human being would uh humanly think that right think oh let's just give it to them when they've stolen something from you but he's like changed it like if he feels a human thought he'll just change it to the spiritual one or something i don't know but that attitude that in that story is how he is with everything i've never seen him even when he's angry he just gets quiet and silent he's never been angry around me you know wow i've seen things go down where he's upset and he'll just get quiet and look out the window of the bus 
and won't say anything to anybody for a long time. But when he does, it's calm. I don't know. You, I, I want to be just like him though. I, I try to be that way, you know, like what would Papa Willie do in this situation? I do think he's the most like Jesus or Buddha or he's just figured it out how to not be human. I don't know. And maybe it is selfish because it just makes everyone love you, you know? So if you do this, these non-human things, are you doing it because everyone's going to love you because you do it? I don't know. No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I, but he's, you know, the guy, like I said, it, it's, it's, he said he made it in his forties where he became Willie Nelson. I mean, that that's gotta, you know, he put the work in, he did everything that needed to be done to get to this place. And, and he's probably just constantly knowing how special he has it, you know, like I say, he worked, but it's definitely been, you know, it, it, it wasn't easy. And to get to the place that he's at, I mean, dude, like it's just, I'm looking at some of the stuff that he's, he's received you know, first of all, the record, this record was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Uh, in 93, he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. He's received the Kennedy Center honor and was added to the Library of Congress. Uh, Rolling Stone, including him as one of the 100 greatest singers and 100 greatest guitarists of all time. He's a member of the National Agriculture Hall of Fame. He's won 11 Grammys with 49 nominations, 11 Country Music Awards 40, with 45 nominations, 11 American Music Awards with 15 nominations, 10 Academy of Country Music Awards with 43 nominations. He was the first recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award at the CMAs, which they also have named after him. Um, you know, it's he. this is who he is. It's just like he, he's- We got to talk about Farm Aid because he, in 1985, him and Neil Young, and, and Mellencamp. Mm-hmm. I just I just saw two nights of John Cougar. Well, it's John Mellencamp now. I, he was playing at the Beacon. And when I'm and I have a night off here in New York, if I don't have a show, I just see what concerts are going on and I go. And uh like three weeks ago I went to see Seal at the Beacon. Wow. Not think thinking I was gonna go as like a joke. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go see Seal, it'll be whatever. And 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 I was like, holy shit, this this show was incredible. And so on Monday, I had nothing to do. And I was like, oh, John Mellencamp's playing at the Beacon. I was like, I feel like I know a couple of his songs. And I went and I was just like, holy, I mean, you know, every fucking song by this guy. And he killed it. And so then me and Big J Okerson, we went, uh, me, him and his girlfriend went uh, on Tuesday night as well. I almost went last night too, but um, but I did all the research on like Farm Aid. And I mean, I mean, do you know more than I do, but like of how it got started and everything or? Well, I, they did it to help the farmers in America and just, and they just continued it on. So I, that's something he's really proud of. And the family's proud of him for doing, you know, I mean, food's important. Farming's important. And putting that huge show on every year, just, oh my gosh. And Mellencamp, um, he's got a very tiny, very tiny circle. He didn't let anybody in. Really? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought you were about to say he's a very tiny man because he like, is he's a very tiny penis. <laughs> he is a he is a small dude. He I was like like watching him up there. He just he almost looks like and I'm not making fun of because the motherfucker rocked it. But God damn, does he look like Brad Williams? He's a great performer, great writer. Um, yeah. He's not a nice person. I'll just say really? that. Yeah, and he's he's just so mean to. Uh, Dave Matthews, who joined the four on the board of Farm Aid. 
Dave Matthews probably joined in the 90s or something, but he's still, still the latest one. He's just so rude to him. Why? I remember because Papa Willie asked us to play Farm Aid a few years ago. And we were there and at the press conference. And um, when, when it was turned for Camp to talk, you know, say his piece, he said it. And he mentioned Neil and he mentioned Papa Willie. Didn't say anything about Dave. And then I just remember Papa Willie just reaching over and just putting his arm around Dave, you know, like, it's okay, buddy. <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> way he's been he's just kind of a dick yeah and and I, I don't, i'm glad you said that because i didn't want to say that but it's interesting <laughs> how successful he is and he's not a, the same kind of person like papa willie you know what i mean like yeah no i love i love farm aid i love that they do that and i love dave matthews i'm gonna take a stand right now and i'm gonna say fucking dave matthews band is so many people's guilty pleasure but you cannot deny that Dave Matthews band doesn't put on a great show. He's a fucking rock star. And one of my favorite things ever is that video of Dave Matthews scatting. Have you ever seen that? Can you find that Adam? That Dave oh. Matthews going like, hey, don't be the chunk That's perfect. I always used to, I used to do a joke. It never worked. But I was like, Dave, Dave is always fighting from some cause that's so random. He'd be like, he was like, all right, everybody, we got a big election coming up. Uh, we, make sure you go out and vote for the president of the National Walnut Association. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like walnuts? What, is there a problem? But what? then he's he's just this he's this great dude. They're all like, I, look, I love Neil Young. I love I love your granddad. Uh, John is incredible. And anytime you do anything like that. That is, you know, because Neil was the one I read about. It was the one that said something they were fighting for, like, I think they were at Live Aid and they were they were trying to raise money for the Ethiopian farmers. And Neil was the one that said, was it Neil or Bob Dylan? It was somebody that was like, listen, it's like, I know we're raising money for this other country, but we need to fight for our farmers here in America because they're getting ripped off. They're being cheaped out. What did you write, Adam? Hold on. Along with Neil Young, John Mellon can be set up Farm Aid in 85 to assist and increase awareness of the importance of family farms. Yep, here it was. It was Bob Dylan commented during Live Aid concert that he hoped some of the money would help American farmers in danger of losing their farms through mortgage debt. The first concert included uh, Dylan, Billy Joel, B.B. King, Roy Orbison, and Neil Young. They raised $9 million over 25 million in 2023 money for America's family farmers, besides organizing and performing in the annual concerts. Nelson is the president of the board of farm aid. Adam, do you have any random facts about this record? We got to talk about. I do have the, the Dave Matthews scat ready to rock. If you yeah, want put it on, put it on, put it on. It rules. <laughs> this rules. Put it on. I love this. Oh, just use some of mine. Here we are. <laughs> Turn the sound up. Yeah. Hold on. That's enough. You, you we're good. Uh, that was yeah. That was edited by Vic Berger. Vic Berger works with like the Tim and Eric people. Um, <laughs> what a great edit. 
<laughs> Sorry. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I feel like Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. All right. What are, are there any other interesting facts, Adam, we got to talk about when it comes to this record? I think we covered it all. I think we got it. I'm just looking through here. Uh, favorite? Ollie's favorite of Papa Willie's albums. I know that. That's a cool fact about it. I mean, look at this. Start. I just want to mention some of the some of the composers on this, just so and everybody like listen to this record and then go back and listen to the original person that recorded it, and and listen to how Willie put his spin on this because I think that's what's interesting about this is that yes, I love the Nat King Cole version of Stardust, but I can't take anything away with the sound of your grandfather's voice. His delicate, like, he, like I said, the thing about the cat, man, it's just like he has a very delicate nature where it's not even singing. It, it's like, it's like, it's like emotion behind it in the way that he's singing. And it's so subtle, yet so beautiful. I actually, what was funny was, um, I found this out later that there were a few people that like were like when they were looking over the list that had put, they'd be like, oh, I would want to do Stardust because this is one of their favorite albums. Um, so Stardust was originally a jazz song composed by uh, Hoagie Carmichael with lyrics by Mitchell Parrish. You have Georgia on my mind, which most people associate with Ray Charles. Uh, but Nelson won a Grammy for best male country vocal performing this song. Uh, and this went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100, Hot 100 Country Song Chart. Uh, Blue Skies. Uh, that Lekka, what's wrong? You okay? My dogs. Look at my dog. You see her? Oh, hey. Like a dog. She's like a dog. We just took her to a cardiologist today. She's got a heart problem, but it's getting better. It's crazy. It's not it's not fixed, but you know, it's getting better. Thank God I have dog insurance. Um, All of Me uh, was written by Gerald Marks and Seymour Simons in 1931. Unchained Melody, which I mean, the Righteous Brothers, uh, it's such a great song. And your granddad, I mean, I can't just, listen to that Papa Willie's version of it. I don't know why, why it makes me uncomfortable. Like, it just reminds. Isn't it the ghost song or? It oh, is, yeah. It? I don't know. Like, it's just like I don't know. Like, it's just too lovey-dovey for me to listen to. Why it's it's uncomfortable <laughs> to hear your to hear your grandfather yearning for love. Yeah. Because that <laughs> ghost thing where they're just all on each other with the mud and everything. I don't yeah. know. I can't. <laughs> I, don't like no, I get it. I get it. Uh, September song uh, from a 1938 musical, Nick Knickerbocker Holiday on the sunny side of the street, composed by Jimmy McHugh in 1930. Moonlight in Vermont um, from 1944. And someone to watch over me uh, by Gershwin. I mean, oh, these cool. are these are fucking like standards in American music. So after this record in the mid '80s, he writes uh, out the album "Honeysuckle Rose," uh, hit songs on the road again to all the girls I've loved before, Poncho and Lefty. He joins the Highwaymen with Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, and Chris Christopherson. 
Uh, in 85, he helped organize Farm Aid. Uh, where is the other thing? Nelson, in 1990, he gets assets seized by the IRS, which claims that he owed $32 million. Did he ever talk to you about that? <clears throat> no, I was too little. But my mom said that she just got a call from the office. I said, hey, this is happening. You're probably not going to get checks for a while. So, uh, you know, and we were still taken care of. I don't ever remember anything like as far as big and life changing, but I know all of his friends bought all of his stuff and gave it back to him. Yeah. And and it Chris did IRS tapes, you know, or uh, Papa Willie did a whole album called the IRS tapes and sold yeah. it, pay it off. And all of his friends in the music business that were big at the time were pushing it. And it was like, yeah, That's dude, that rules. Friend, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, that rules. That's kind of what Marvin Gaye did. There's a record called Fuck, what find the title out. It was the only Marvin Ray Gaye record we did on the podcast, but he divorced his wife and she uh he he said, I said I can give you my money or I could just make an album. I don't know how they organized it. But he's like, I'm going to make an album and I'm going to give you all the profits from this record. Oh, it's it's called Something to to Something My Dear. Dear oh, my dear. What is it? Hear my dear. Hear my dear. And it's a record of him basically telling off his ex-wife, but he gave her all the money from it. So that that was kind of like his fuck you to her. And I guess I, this was Willie's fuck you to the IRS. Like, yeah, I, I, I owe you money. Here's a record. There you go. Take all of that. Good for him. And it dude. wasn't his fault. You know, Papa Willie had a manager that was screwing him over. So it wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying to cut out on paying taxes he just didn't want to have to deal with money and left it for someone else yeah. you know yeah that's that's something that people i have a business manager and they're like you make are you making sure they're doing everything right and i'm like i think so <laughs> but also i don't think i'm gonna owe 32 million anytime soon so yeah. <laughs> i think i can handle the rest of that um all right let's let's wrap this up dude what, what do you have adam what do you, you got? Said you want the figures, a total, uh, so 99 studio albums, 14 live albums, 51 compilation albums, and two soundtracks. He sold over 40 million in this country alone. Hey, Kitty. 40 million in this country. And this is also, this This is the first time we're talking about Willie, but we have another one coming up. What do we got? Uh, Yeah, where is that? Where is that little doodad you always write? There it is. Uh, We got... We have 1975's Redheaded Stranger coming in at 183. And on the 2020 re-rank, it actually dropped 54 spots to 234. And this album did not make the cut. Um, I haven't listened to Redheaded Stranger. I don't see why they didn't put this record back on. But I'm excited to listen to Redheaded. I'm really excited. I've never listened to it. This is the first time I've listened to a full Woodley Nelson record. And it yeah, that, the Redheaded Stranger is uh, like a story the whole way through. And uh, Papa Willie turned down the gambler kenny rogers the gambler song because he had just put out redheaded stranger and he was like i can't do another story song you know so wow <clears throat> i think i think he's fine he's fine oh yeah he's, fine <laughs> he's, he's let kenny have that let kenny have that one <laughs> um all right i ask everybody these questions uh what's your favorite song on this record blue skies blue skies okay um i ask everybody this what what song do you usually skip over september song okay now this is gonna be i can't even know if i can ask this one adam i think you have to pass on this one just like we did with uh scott Meatloaf. oh yeah 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 i usually ask i i'll, I'll say it but yeah, you don't yeah. have to answer it 
I always ask, can you fuck to this record? You cannot. No. no. <laughs> Second time in I show history, in that question has been avoided. Yeah. <laughs> I have been in a situation where I've been making out with someone and all of a sudden it's a Papa Willie song on and I'm like, I can't do this. We have to gross. Yeah. Can you can you work out to this record? Oh, well, I mean, yoga. I would do yoga to it. But I yeah. wouldn't I probably wouldn't like try to run or anything to it. No, for sure. But that was that was cuz the question is can you work out to it and then what kind of working out would you do to it? Uh and then the last one is uh what would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this record? It's all of Willie Nelson's favorite songs that he put his spin on. That's perfect. I would say I would say you're listening to uh, an American icon uh, singing some of the most iconic uh, songs uh, that America's ever produced. This is great. If you haven't listened yeah. to this, everybody listening, listen to this record. And and I can't thank you enough for coming on on such short notice. You're so lovely. I really wish you would have come back to the to the green room and said hello. Like, please make Don't sure worry. you do. I will. I will. I'll keep. I keep track of you guys. And when you are in town, I'll come down and I'll DM you and let you know. Come, I come to the Jelly Roll tour. I know we're we're probably passing through Tennessee sometime. I mean, okay. make sure you come. Yeah, I'm friends with his wife too, Bunny. So if they're in Nashville, they'll probably be here too. So I can. yeah, I think we're. I think I definitely think we're doing something there. Um, but dude, you you rule. Thank you so much for coming on, Don. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. You make me feel very cool, Josh. Thank you so much. What did I tell you? Raylan Nelson. Follow her on Twitter at Raylan Nelson and on Instagram at Raylan Nelson. It's the same thing twice. Why did we say it differently? Follow her on all social media at Raylan Nelson. Make sure you check out the Raylan Nelson Band. They're on tour. Go to RaylanNelsonBand.com for dates and tickets. And why not? For new music, being that we just listened to Willie, let's play a song from the Raylan Nelson Band. This is their single, Free. And you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and you're directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send us your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. And what do we got next week? Oh, shit. Velvet Rope. There are times when I feel There are times when I feel your love around me, babe. It's a good album. I just saw her live. We're going to talk all about this. Velvet Rope, 97, Janet Jackson. Listen to it. Thanks for tuning in, y'all.
Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Next Chapter Podcasts. 